Hello and welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. I, very prematurely, am TJ Patrick coming at you before the episode just to remind you in case you've forgotten or in case this is unfortunately your first time here. Uh, this is a very much not how we typically do things. Uh, you're coming into an episode already in progress. As I mentioned last week, but just in case you do not know, uh, we recorded a very long episode of Rejector Renew for The Mandalorian. This is the second part of that episode. If you have not checked out the first part, go check that out real quick. It's shorter than many of our uh, usual episodes, especially recently. But as for now, we are going to jump right in to talking about the rest of Season 2 and giving our highest, lowest rated episodes, least, most valuable characters, etc., etc. So, enjoy our continued thoughts on The Mandalorian. Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street, it's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome! to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. Episode 13, the or chapter 13, The Jedi. The Mandalorian journeys to a world ruled by a cruel magistrate who has made a powerful enemy. So uh, let's talk about that, uh, that intertidal synergy here. Because um, this is a very clear spinoff. Literally the week, the, the day before uh, they announced that they were going to do all these extra series, including an Ahsoka Tano live action series was the day that we learned all about Ahsoka Tano's side quest, which was to find Grand Admiral Thrawn. All that to be, all that aside, I still love this episode. Um, I think Rosario Dawson was a good choice for Ahsoka except Tano. That, I think except, that all the, like, except, except that there is this whole thing about her being transphobic. Yeah. Uh, so again, like same thing with Cara Dune. I wish the character wasn't awesome so that Which I could. Which is weird considering Rosario Dawson's career. Um, I know, I know. It's very strange. She plays queers in almost everything she does. And I, I wonder, I, I haven't, the, the, the I, we don't need to get into it, but yeah, the case long... is from several years ago and came to light when her casting was announced in this. People were like, stop casting transphobes. Um, anyway. Well, also, just Rosario so Dawson has a long mad. history of being cast in roles that could have gone to a variety of other people. Like she plays a lot of people who should be darker skinned, uh, like in the original adaptation, like in Josie and the Pussycats, she's the original character is a dark skinned black woman. And, and I don't know specifically if she's only Latino or if she's got black, if she's also black. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of instances where Rosario Dawson takes up. She's kind of, she's kind of the Latino Scarlett Johansson in that way. Um, but yeah, so but all that aside, really fun to see a Jedi here to see Ahsoka Tano um, to then be to like the character enough to then go back and look at like what her other stuff has to do. Um, you know what? I, I kind of wish that she would have been a series regular um, and like worked with the Mandalorian and trained Grogu at the same time. I think that would have been a, also an interesting story instead of her just passing the buck. Um I don't think that why she, I understand her reasoning, but I also don't get why she even tested him if she was just going to do that anyway. I guess. I guess that, I mean. I think this all goes back to the soft magic system not being developed enough for them to have a definitive, like, this is what happens when you train, when, like, you train a Jedi. This is how you test to see if a Jedi is a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, ev- they kind of play so fast and loose with all of that stuff. Just yeah, like, se- why did they need to bring Anakin in front of the council? And now, and I mean, I guess the council's gone, right. but, like, now anyone can be like, yes, you should be trained. I mean, yeah, that's, I it's, mean, that's, that's a little, just, that's a little ugh. bit more nuanced, I think. Um, I do like that we get to know Plus, his name. Plus, Grogu's like, isn't Grogu, isn't a thing with Grogu that he's like a hundred? He's fifty. He's fifty. Fifty. So that's too old. He's baby. No, it's. I mean, I think it's an aging thing. I, I think that. I think that you have to accept that, like, the mental the mental state can still age at the same rate as the species. So it's like. If you, it's like dog years, you know, it's not like he's suddenly going to become. Yeah, he's going to live to be 950. It's not like he's suddenly going to have the brain of a 50 year old. I mean, I get it. And I was, 
more so making a joke, but also it's like they make. S- I'm more so shitting on the prequels. That's what I'm okay. doing. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's two. He's episode- nine. <laughs> In this episode, we learn his name, which I think that at first, I everyone's universal response was no. First of all, what the heck kind of name is Grogu? And then second of all, let us call him Baby Yoda. What kind but, of name is Anakin? Like, I mean, what kind I, of name is Han? Like, I think that's that was my thing afterwards. I was like, Grogu? Yeah, and then right, I was like, right. oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Grogu, Why do you make I such think... a big deal about Han? I don't know. Could have just been Hans. Han is a name. <laughs> Hans You've is like Swedish. He's not Swedish. <laughs> anyway, um, I want I want I a Grogu a flashback so bad now. Yeah, uh, but my thing with it. Mm. Okay, my main thing with this episode is, again, I have not. Oh, I lied. I have actually watched an episode. I have watched two episodes of the Clone Wars show, uh, both of which like kind of more prominently featured Ahsoka Tano um in a later season I think I think I think it was still no I think it was still season 1 cuz I kind of wanted to go in order um so I kind of know I don't know how Ahsoka ends Clone Wars and I know she shows up in Rebels and I don't know how she is in that but I know from the little that I've seen of her she's like spunky and fun and you know super aggro and like fuck it let's just go like you know the way that like plays off Anakin really interesting really interestingly in Clone Wars um and here you know how there's the Beskar spear mm-hmm. and it's like it's like you know it's just it's like a steel rod that's what her personality is in this episode. Okay, and I kind of hate gotta, it. I was like... You gotta see where she ends up. Because if you would compare her at age okay. like 19 to her at age 30. But I'm like... I, it's just... It's so frustrating for me. Whenever I see a Jedi, they always have that stank of the prequel, like... We are very proper, and this is how a Jedi is. And I'm just like, can one Jedi be like Yoda, please? In, like, the original trilogy, where he's just kind of like a little fuckhead, and he kind of likes fucking with people, and he has a personality. Like, I'm so sick of the Jedi just being like, mm-hmm, yes, we are monks. She and has I'm just more like, personality than I'm giving her credit for. I agree with that. I think your comparison is just too far flung from what you know of her. Um, My thing is that I it's... think, but the but what if we base our wait? What if we base our opinions of her exclusively on this show? Okay. Yeah, because that's the thing is that because the Mandalorian is already like we Mando is our main character. He's the one character in every episode, and he is very much yes. I'm a Mandalorian. This is the way. And I'm like, I need more characters to, like, make me feel shit. Like, Samurai Jack... It was very interesting, because this ma- th- watching the show made me watch an episode or two of Samurai Jack. Because it reminds me of Samurai Jack. In that, like, we follow a very stoic, very serious character, but the universe and all the characters around him are very weird and bizarre and, like, super colorful. And so, I thought it was very similar, so I wanted to watch it for comparison. And, like, I also wasn't, like, in love with Samurai Jack, like, the the three episodes that I watched. But it was a very, like, you know... Yeah, I get this dynamic. I get, I get how this works. And here, it's like everyone is either tough or cynical. And it's like... Or 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 they're innocent. Yeah, fine. But like... Or I don't think Grief Karga is any of those things. I think that Grief he's Karga kind of is an tough and cynical. I think Grief Karga is a little bit of a weenie. He's a little bit tough, but I like... I like him interacting with Baby Yoda. I like him being like, he's trying to eat me, and then like growing to be like, ah, do the little the little hand thing. And I don't know. I like Grief Karga. 
I mean, not to say I don't like Reef Karga, but it's just kind of like a lot of the show is like, I, like I mentioned earlier, there's not a lot for me to really get interested in and get invested in and sink my teeth into. So I guess that's it. Chapter 14, The Tragedy. The Mandalorian and child travel to an ancient site. That's a that's a pretty uh pretty bad summary. <laughs> I mean, summary you literally can't that... say anything else. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So so um Ahsoka Tano told them they had to go to this ancient temple where Baby Yoda will sit in the center and reach out into the force and a Jedi will contact him if there are any Jedi left. And so they go there and he puts him in the thing and all of this blue force field comes up around him. And honestly, Mando like tries to walk through this force field so many times knowing full well he's going to get pushed back. I was like, dude, Dude, come on. Like, learn from your mistakes. Um, And then the fucking return of Fennec Shand. Thank fucking God. Um, I will say this. I don't like the dirt troopers. I don't like them at all. I hope they stop using them. I mean, they're all fucking chopped up into nothing now. Let's hope. Yeah, the dark troopers are weird. They're very un-Star Wars-y. Yeah. They felt, they felt like a different movie. Why? I don't know. They felt like, they felt like superhero action film instead of space western Slash ninjas. Is it not true that Star Wars has basically always just kind of raised the stakes by upping the droids and the machines? Not so, in my they're, opinion. They're a little too clean. Yeah, the the droids that usually battle droids, like the typical battle droid that there were no battle droids in four, five, six. The battle droids that were first introduced are little weenies for the most part and then you know the kind that goes with their hands the that's the kind that attacked mando's family and his hometown um but they never had like this kind of look like where they're almost a stormtrooper the bad guys that really like go hand to hand in combat have always been stormtroopers like there's always been a person behind that even if it's a clone but, with a, but that's kind of why I think that these are force-powered droids. Um, they needed to be powered up instead of just turned on, and it took them some time. You saw, like, a bar filling. Yeah. So I think I think that they had something to do with what they were building. Um, but that's why it felt different to me. They were just so intense for, the, for droids, and maybe that's what the intended effect was and i didn't mind it um i thought they were pretty badass but it did feel like a little bit maybe it's the filmography actually the cinematography of them flying down being like and then like landing around baby yoda in a circle i was like you could probably done this with one yeah that's because that's because okay i really didn't like this episode I didn't like so many aspects of this episode. I didn't like that Boba Fett came back. I didn't like that he was such a big thing. I didn't like that Mando, yeah, like Molly said, he tries so many times the exact same fucking way to get into this Force thing. And it's like, why would it not only take one time for him to learn at this point? It's like, I don't like that they leave the most valuable asset alone by himself for no reason. I don't like that when they go back to go get him, he leaves his jetpack just on the fucking ground. Like, are you intelligent or not? Because there are so many times that these people try and go like, oh yeah, Mando's smart. He's a he's a good strategist. He's a good fighter. And then there are so many times where he's a fucking idiot. And I... I didn't like this episode that much. I think that you're right. And I... I think that one of my main issues with the show, as much as I love it, but I've seen a lot of memes that people agree with me, but it's like, why, Mando, do you feel you can just leave the kid in the car so often, like, in random places where you don't know anybody? Really bad idea. He, like, is just casually carrying this kid around or makes him walk. So many times. Someone's going to snatch him right up. 
Uh, yeah, this episode was stressful. However, I'm also currently trying to coerce my mom into watching Gilmore Girls with me, and she keeps being like, this is so stressful, I can't watch, like, Lorelai's the worst, she's so bad at life and all this stuff, and I'm like, well, mom... If our main character is completely sympathetic and always makes good choices, there wouldn't be a TV show. Uh-huh. I, mm, we should move on. Uh-huh. Uh, chapter 15, The Believer. <laughs> to move against the Empire, the Mandalorian needs the help of an old enemy. Uh, Bill Burr. Yeah, I, I think Bill Burr's performances in this is pretty great, and I think it definitely... I, I, I like what they did with his character and they gave him more of a backstory and more of a sympathetic where it's like he was empire, but he didn't want to be. Um, and I also think, again, it's the the moment with uh, with Mando taking off his mask and scanning and everything like that, um, I think was an important moment where and, and at the end of the episode where he's like, you have something I want. Uh, you have something I want. You have no idea what it means to me is like the formal because we never hear him really say it until that moment where he's like, this means more to me than anything is this kid in my this bond is with my this baby kid. boy. That's that's yeah. my son. And you're not going to and you're not going to stop me. So well, it's also a callback. What? And yeah, it is a callback. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know, but I still think that like it was it was a very earned callback in my opinion. Um for him to finally just out and say this is what I believe I stand for. Agreed. I was just going to say I I thought it was kind of stupid that they walked in there took like, Bill Burr took his helmet off and is walking around with his face out. Like, mm-hmm. you don't think that one of these yeah. people might recognize mm-hmm. you? Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, just keep your mask on. You have a mask. But I don't think he cares. I guess, but that was kind of endangering the mission. I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> uh, I also didn't like I'm sensing a theme I'm sensing a theme with both of these seasons where the last three episodes are always the episodes that go on such a sharp decline for me um because first of all yes yes Molly I the whole time the whole time I was like why do you not have your helmet on not in the not in the like uh like fight scene like you know car chase thing. No, 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 no. But I'm like, you couldn't just do the one simple thing of taking your fucking helmet and putting it on. Like, really, the only reason you have such a problem with doing your fucking thing is because you don't have the helmet. <sighs> yeah, I hate. I absolutely despise. That Din just took his helmet off in this episode. I was just, I was just like, well, this no longer has meaning for me anymore. If he can just, if he can just like, and like the helmet's off for a long ass time too. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. Why do you build this thing up so much to just... Because there were so many ways that they could have done this. There were so many ways. If Bill Burr is like, I don't know if he'll recognize me. Why don't the both of you just go in and Mando just blocks your face with his body? Like, why don't you just put your helmet on and then take it off to do the scan and then put it the fuck back on? Why doesn't Mandalorian or somebody else make a distraction to crawl, like, make people get out of the fucking room? And then you can do, like, there are so many, and I just, I know it's like, because the writers wanted him to take off the helmet. That's, that's the thing. So many times in this show, I'm just like, it's because the writers wanted X. That's why this happened. That's why that happened. Well, I think it's important um, because of the cult thing and because maybe he's starting to realize this isn't actually every Mandalorian's creed and it's how he was raised, but maybe it's a bit extreme. Um, I think that he has to like reckon that with himself, reckon with that for himself. Um, yeah, I think that it... It comes up again and again because it's important. I don't get why it's bad. I really don't 
because they never really show it to be bad or detrimental that he believes this thing of like, I don't take off my helmet. Like, I think it's a secrecy thing. Yeah. Why can't he have secrecy? Because the Mandalorians want their planet back. They don't want to live hiding in the shadows. Okay, but you can do both of those things. Not if you're going to have to help rescue the planet. They have to take off their helmets to rescue the planet? In this moment. You're not um, wrong. The, the writers wanted it to happen. You're, I'll give you that. And then, he, and then he leaves, and I'm like, wait, oh. Uh, oh, okay. I... I was thinking while watching this episode, I'm like, there are one of two ways this ends. Like, either he's seen his face, and then conveniently he dies, and, like, dies a hero's death, like, having redeemed himself, or, like, they say, no, we're not going to take you back to the mine, like, the, the, your prison sentence, and he helps them on the final mission, and then they did neither of those things, and he just kind of fucked off at the end, and I was just like, uh oh on a random planet too where he knows nobody. All right. I was like, at least bring him back to Right, I'm like, you don't even want to ride. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Wait, so I can I could go?" And they're like, "Yep, go ahead." He he didn't say like, "Can you at least tell me where the nearest town you is?" Me I, think, credits, I think at that point, so like... if you're if you're that guy, you're just like, "I'm going to take it. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm just going to go." Into the woods where he doesn't have any food. Like <laughs> Also, he's gonna come back season three. That's my yeah, guess. Of yeah, because you guys just brought up why one of the reasons why I was just like really at the prisoner episode because I'm you know what I think okay I'll save that but uh my thing my last thing with this episode is that this does not feel like the same character from the prisoner. It feels like a sure. completely different character. Which will just reinforce something I will address in a bit because we got to we got to get going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Final episode. Uh, Mandalorian and his allies attempt a daring rescue mission. Uh, it's called the rescue. We can skip through the rest of that shit. Uh, uh, Luke. <laughs> yep. Uh, he comes back. Yep. He, he kind of wish it was somebody else, but I'm OK with it. Well, what that sets up and this is something that I started to say earlier, but was like, now nah, save it is that that makes this entire show, in my opinion, a setup for baby Yo-Yo goes to school with Luke. He becomes his first little student. Luke starts his little school. Ben Solo kills everybody, therefore killing baby Yoda. Therefore, nothing comes of him. My mom, however, disagrees and says she thinks that Baby Yo-Yo is saved by somebody and we're going to get a spinoff series down the line. I, I I can't make an accurate prediction as to what's going to happen. For all we know, he could finish his training in a shorter period of time because he had already started it. I don't know. He we, had not. We did. When did he start his training? When he's 50. The Empire's only 30, so he had twenty about you know 10 to 20 years at the Jedi Temple. Oh, I guess, but he's baby and he doesn't remember how to do anything. He's like, it's gonna depend. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to plan on doing it. I think there's a million different ways you could bisect that with other plot devices and other plot points and just the Mandalorian himself coming back into his life. So, you know, I think there's a lot. Of, Maybe Mando a lot save of stuff is him. There. A lot of people are saying, oh, this is pointless, but it's not. Not that it's pointless, just that it's a lead up to be let down potentially, which I actually really like in a story. I, I'm a Chekhov girl. I love when nothing happens and then everybody <laughs> dies. Like, that's something that I'm into. Um, however, perhaps Mando comes back for him. We don't know. Um, I liked that it was Luke. I don't want an extended series of him yeah. being de-aged. Like, that would be rough. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that will happen. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's just, it sets up, it sets up a lot of interesting questions and a lot of different possibilities for the next season in that, like, does, it's not clear whether or not he's, like, indentured to the other Mandalorians now. Is he their leader because he has the Darksaber and she can't accept it? Um, do they have to, they have, they'll have to resolve that at some point. What is the connection going to be back to uh Cara Dune um what are they gonna do with Moff Gideon is he gonna like get away and and something new is gonna happen is why well, didn't other they allies? kill Moff Gideon 
They could have killed him so many times. They should have just shot him. What the fuck? I don't know. They're the good guys. I don't know. Um, it, it definitely, it, yeah, it I leaves guess. a lot of questions. But I'm, I'm again, I, I, I like the, the fabric of the show enough to where I'm, I'm willing to let them take me to where it goes. Um, that's the that's the most I want to say on this episode, just because I think that anything that's said about this episode is a good enough fodder for the rest of the questions that we have. Yeah, I, I think I really liked this episode. I Everything leading up to it was like, normally I'm not, and as a Star Wars fan, this is weird to say, but I'm not a big on action sequences. I kind of zone out on them. This one, the action sequences were captivating. I really liked seeing the Darksaber used and being like, oh, this is new to these people because they've never seen a lightsaber before and seeing something that can cut through anything but Beskar that's like oh they're equally matched um I I liked the fight with the dark trooper hmm who is it new to the characters like Mando because he's he's fought a he's fought a a Sokotano Right, but but it's new. It's it's newish. Like he's like ah ah. I don't know. I thought it was exciting. It's the first time we've seen it in this. Aside from Ahsoka Tano, we're seeing the power of it being used. Actually, I just Instead thought just being it was cool. Prop. And then, right, exactly. And then seeing Luke come in with the equivalent of that. Honestly, when I watched this one, I guess I'd kind of forgotten about Ahsoka Tano already because that episode was like kind of a throwaway for me um, because she was like, no, another Jedi needs to train him. But seeing Luke come in and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you see his X-Wing and you're like, ah, I mean, at least I was, I was like, ah. so I thought this was just a rollicking good time and I liked it. And I cried a lot seeing, ba- and also uh, if it is Baby Yoda, as small as I think he is, like, did they make him smaller next to R2-D2? Because R2-D2 looked massive compared to him. I think it dep- I think I think there is a little bit of a Hobbit situation going where, you know, how sometimes in the Lord of the Rings they look bigger or smaller depending on what the shot is. I think that happens with him. Yeah. I think if he's CGI, okay. he tends to be smaller, but if he's a puppet, he tends to feel a little bit bigger. Yeah. Well, it was very cute all the same, and I cried, and I when he reached out and... And then Mando took mm. off his helmet and Baby Yoda touched his face. I just, I wept. I was a mess. <laughs> All right, TJ. Resting so I hated the Luke episode. scene. You what? Uh, I hated the Luke scene. Primarily because I couldn't stop imagining all the people that hated The Last Jedi being vindicated. Of like, Luke should have just done all this cool shit. Luke should have been a fucking badass. And now here it's just like, all right, for all the people that hate The Last Jedi, here is Luke being badass. And I'm just like, it's kind of, this is why I've been sticking so many pins and so many things. It's also the same thing with Boba Fett. Of just like, well, Boba Fett went out like a bitch. Boba Fett went out like a punk ass motherfucker. What happened to Boba Fett? And here comes Boba Fett again. And it feels, at times, this show feels less of its own show and more of, like, here, let's make up for things that, like, the most toxic parts of the Star Wars fan base have been clamoring for. And I'm just like... (sighs) Because these, like... (sighs) They always, they always get something. And then there's the people that genuinely liked The Last Jedi or honestly never really quite cared about Boba Fett because Boba Fett was kind of a non, not didn't really do that much shit in the original trilogy anyway. And it's like, what are we fucking chopped liver? Like the Rise of Skywalker is basically a big middle finger to everyone who likes The Last Jedi. And I'm just like, and that's how, and that's the end of Star the Skywalker saga. That's how this got to end is of just, it's just like, well, we don't care what you think. We, we have our fan base and this is what they want. So this is what they're going to get. And I'm just like, fucking A. Because I'm, I'm absolutely the type of person that really didn't like how Luke was portrayed in the Return of the Jedi. 
as like this dude that just casually chokes guards. And I'm just like, oh. And that is kind of the same Luke Skywalker that shows up here, even though he's way like, you know, nice when we like actually see him talk and shit. Like, yeah, that's cool and everything. But we kind of just had to have an extended version of the Vader hallway scene from Rogue One before that. And I'm just like, okay. That's all very fair. But as someone who liked all of the things that you just mentioned and didn't really feel like any of them were a big fuck you to me, I'd have to disagree about some of it. Like, I get what you're saying about, like, the Boba Fett people being vindicated and the Luke people being vindicated. Like, I honestly felt a little out of the loop because I've always been one who's like, um, Boba Fett died in the Sarlacc pit. The, um... So I, like, felt like, okay, this isn't my TV show, I I guess. But then I was like, all right, I guess I was wrong. I'm on board now. Um, it was, like, almost like an inside joke that then I was just, like, let in on. And I was like, okay, I'm just a few years late. And I was, like, fine with it. And I was fine with the Luke thing. Also, I mean, Luke is a little bit of a weenie. And you're right that this is very much episode six Luke, who's, like, choking people chopping people down, feeling pretty full of himself, probably. But he's, that's Luke. He's a bit cocky. Yeah, I mean, like, again, like, TJ, I will totally side with you in that. Yes, bringing Boba Fett back, uh, like, in its initial thing, if you were just to say to me offhandedly in the meeting, if I was in the meeting for planning the show, and they're like, we're gonna bring Boba Fett and Luke in, I would have been like, ugh. But the fact of the matter is, it's just like... I would have been like, no and, way. And, and, if there, and if the true reason was, well, we want to vindicate the other fans who were upset about blah, 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 then I would have been like, even more, ugh. Like, if that was truly the reason, then I then I totally, like, get that version of it. I think I just... I don't care about... I don't care about the toxic fans who were vindicated. I don't care if they're vindicated or not. I enjoyed what was made. I agree with that. That's how I feel, too. I was like... At first, I was like, wait, both like, of Because like, there could have been a much... There could have been a much worse version, in my opinion, of bringing these two characters back. I think that the, that given yes. what it was, if the choice was between bringing the characters back and not, then sure, yeah, I'd like to see some new characters. But if if it was just they're bringing the characters back, it's just going to happen. I'm very happy with the way they did it because they could have done it so much clumsier and so much more, so much more in a vindicating way than they did. I think what makes it better and maybe even more vindicating is that they did it well in how they brought them back. Um, or at least they brought them back in a way that yeah. made me excited to see them. Season two, actually, uh, maybe I'm going to contradict everything I just said, but what I loved about season one was that it had nothing to do with anything that we knew anything about so far. Yet it took place within the timeline of events that have happened already in canon. And I thought that was awesome. Then I, in season two, it's like, okay, now we need to know some of these people. I didn't feel left out not knowing who they were. I feel like they were introduced to me well. But I did feel like, okay, now we're sending out threads into the other Star Wars universes. And I, that's taking away something that I really loved about season one. But... On the flip side of that, something, I mean, not really on the flip side, kind of on the same coin, but uh, uh, I don't know. What I love about Baby Yoda as a character is that I think that he ties together all of the Star Wars universe because he's, in, I think, a Yoda clone, and he that would tie him to the prequels and the originals, and then we're moving forward in time into the sequels, so... I just think that, like, he as a character ties everything together. And, of course, if he as a character is going to tie everything together, then we're going to need other characters who are in the things that we know because, I guess, I don't... I mean, I wish we didn't, but we do. And it's still a... It's still a better... It's still a better stew than just returning back to the same characters from just the Skywalker saga because you have characters from the Clone Wars series and the Rebels series and things like that. And so it's a little bit of a, a more complex cocktail Okay, so that was a lot. Uh, it's a very long episode guide. Um, makes me wonder if we're going to kind of do stuff like this for Game of Thrones if we ever do that. Um, 
but that that's for another day. Uh, so I guess, yeah, since we just stopped the episode guide, because we do this like once a month, I've yet to like really de- develop like a rhythm for this. So sorry. Um, but yeah, let's do a uh, top rated and bottom rated episodes. Pretty sure my least favorite episode. Uh, now it's difficult because right when I saw it, I said the prisoner was my least favorite episode. Um, but then also, uh, the tragedy is also, you know, maybe I'll go with the tragedy. No, 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 no. I think I have to go with the prisoner because that was an episode where I liked none of the characters I really didn't like the premise all that much. I really didn't like the twist that much. And then also, like, fucking Mandalorian just... He goes through all these people uh, to get back to the sh- to, to the Razor Crest and whatever. And they definitely make it seem like he kind of goes through all of these people just to reveal that like actually no he pacifist he like passively subdued them and put them all in a in a cell and you know because you know the mandalorian he's non-violent and i'm like uh that's never been true (laughs) like like we're coming off like i think the episode not the one just before this but no, it was the episode before this where he literally shoots a dude, shoots the gunslinger in the fucking face. Like, you're telling me that the Mandalorian, after just being betrayed by his former colleagues, that definitely took much pleasure in betraying him, that he didn't dust all these fools? And then that was when I was like, yeah, because the writers want to bring these guys back. And lo and behold, they brought one of them back. And I'm like... There's a peeve of mine when I watch television shows or movies when I'm like, I feel the writer's hand writing this. Like, that's a situation where I'm like, the character and the decision have a dissonance for me. They clash. I I feel like this is going out of your... It's like in horror movies where you make a smart character dumb so they can die because you need somebody to die and i'm like weirdly he doesn't he doesn't kill these people okay all right um but then also it's just kind of an episode that like doesn't really like it happens and it doesn't really go anywhere it doesn't have any real lasting place in the overall show But it's here because we need to set up Mayfeld. So it's like, again, it's just like, I really feel your guy. I feel the strings on this puppet working this. Um, So I think that's why it gets my least rated episode uh, or lowest, lowest rated episode over the tragedy. Because really the tragedy kind of just boils down to the fact that like, yeah, they kind of went out of their way to make Din a little dumb for a second so that the child could get abducted. That's kind of the only real thing. Like, we can debate the whole, like, should Boba have been brought back? Should he have not? Like, is it too much fan service? Is it not? Like, yeah, that's a whole thing that we literally just did kind of touch on. But, like, ultimately... Even if you like the Boba Fett thing, it's still just kind of like, really, Mando? Like, this is your this is the one thing you're in you're responsible for. <laughs> but again, it's like the one thing that's kind of the one issue with the episode, really, objectively. So, yeah. Okay, fair, Molly. Um. I think I'm going to have to go with the siege just because I got confused and didn't really need it. Um, 
maybe it'll become more important later, but I think at this point I had been all relieved that Cara Dune had been left on Navarro <laughs> and I was like I don't, I don't want to go back to her because I am so attracted to her and it makes me so mad um and that I know that's not the character but it made me upset to have to watch yeah, whatever she becomes a cat so. um right and <laughs> right and then we get like a little bit of her backstory and like the that one guy talking about Alderaan he's like uh did you know anyone who died like of course yeah, she that's did a dumb question. um <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, that that chapter, I was like, I don't, I don't really need this. I gotta say that, like, hands down, my least favorite's the gunslinger. I don't care about this other bounty hunter. Like, introducing introducing Fennec is cool, but you could have done it somewhere else. And and just the the story, the entire story of that episode in and of itself, the only redeemable thing is getting uh, Amy Sedaris's character. But like, I remember as I was watching it, going, Ugh, okay, please do something else in the next episode. Um, because it's just like, there was no payoff for me in that episode whatsoever. The, the kid who, the kid was bad, um, in terms of the character and the character was annoying and the person playing him was not a good actor. So I was just like, eh, if you scrubbed this from the entire story and just, you know, and made me figure out who Amy Sedaris and, and, uh, Ming-Na Wen were, uh, I'd be fine. So I could, I could scrub the gunslinger and be fine. Favorite episodes. Um, my favorite by default is the last episode, which is confusing because it also has a part. (laughs) Yeah, because there's really no favorite for me. Like a lot of them blended together in my brain. Um, not in the sense of like, I couldn't tell them apart from each other, but like in the sense that like, there really was no one that I liked that I like was like, I like that episode. That's I, okay. I'm digging it. Cause I never got to that second gear of watching the show where it became like, all right, I buy into this. I'm into it. Like that part never really came, which was frustrating. Um, it's frustrating cause it's star Wars. And like Trev said at the beginning, like it's star Wars with a plan for once God. And it's like, you can tell these people that made it like Star Wars. You can tell that they know a lot about it and they love it and they grew up with it. Uh, and I think that the Western concept lends itself really well to Star Wars. It's honestly just the execution for me that I just, I could never really get into it. Um, so by default, I have to say that my favorite quote unquote was the last one. Because I thought it had the best action scenes. I thought it was paced well. Um, there were interesting character interactions. And there are things I don't like about that episode either. I, I, I mean, as well. But, like... I mean, putting aside my gut feeling of, like, why I suspect the Luke scene was done the way it was. Like... I think I can still objectively acknowledge that, like, you know what? A lot of people really like this scene. A lot of people really like this character. And for a lot of people, this meant something. It meant a lot. Um, so, I guess, yeah, the last, the last, uh, the rescue. I would either give it to the rescue because I think it's a badass episode um or the prisoner because i think it's a badass episode <laughs> i think that <laughs> they're both really badass episodes the prisoner was the first one for me uh i think i remember texting trevor like it's heating up that was the first one for me where i was like okay i'm starting to see where this is going like like what his goals are the performances were all on point it was just so tightly done. Like every second of that episode was important. Even when they're just walking around in circles, I was like, Ooh, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I love it. So the prisoner probably, uh, I'm gonna surprise everybody. with This one, uh, my favorite episode is the Jedi. Um, and here's why, um, a, because I really like Ahsoka Tano. I, I still think that, uh, they did their homework. I mean, Dave Filoni wrote, all of Ahsoka Tano as a character in the first place. Um, so for the, him to then write um, 
write that episode as well. Uh, I think I think he I, I trust that he is taking that character in a direction that builds upon what's already existing for her. Um, and I think we're going to see more of her fun loving side in, outside of the context of this show. Unfortunately, like unfo- it's unfortunate um, that a lot of people felt that way about the her being just kind of the stoic Jedi in that episode. But I think we're going to see more of her um, in her other sides of her personality as as it goes forward. Um, but also, I think that this is a very important episode for Grogu and Mando. Um, I think it's the first time that Mando gets an opportunity to learn about his son and the whole notion of, well, he won't do it from me, but will he do it from you is super important and kind of sets up the, the remainder of their arc together um, until they have to separate. I think that without that episode, their separation isn't as impactful. Um, I think that yep. I think that their bond literally literally a father and son play catch that is <laughs> you found a way in star wars for a father and son to play catch and that really resonated with me there was something about uh that that relationship in that episode that that to me i think if you were to summarize their relationship it's 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 what it is in that episode because the show is about their relationship um and so that's why it's my favorite I, I completely agree with you. So, and all of that. Uh, least valuable character. Let's just let's discount a few. So obviously Horatio Sands character is not that important. Um, obviously, any any character who just appears in one episode. Let's just, you know, sweep that away. So the gunslinger is. is yeah, <laughs> like that's an obvious. Yeah. One. So like of the main cast, because this is a show full of one off characters. Um, that we don't know if they're going to come back or not. So, like, in terms of, like, the recurring characters, least valuable character. You sure you want to do that? You're not going to like the answer I have if you do that. That's fine. TJ, just answer yeah, the just, question. Uh, <laughs> well, before you were going to say that, I was going to say the crew of The Prisoner. Uh, okay. Because uh, I just genuinely, like, I thought, well, okay, except for Zero. I did like Zero. I mean, he doesn't really get to do that much, but, like, uh, I did like Zero. Everybody else, I really didn't care for. If we're only talking about recurring characters, Grogu is my least. Oh, you've already stated that. I understand that. Also, I can only I can also understand that standpoint because Grogu doesn't have a lot of agency. There's not, you know, and the things that he does have agency Sure on, he does, little baby but boy. The things he does he have... walks around, he says, don't leave me in the ship. <laughs> So like yeah, he's not he a full daddy. grown adult. So I get how he's a uh, like a character who who is largely a part of the plot. Like I get that. I I totally think you're justified in having that opinion. I I would like to take Grogu out of the running for Matt for me. Okay. Like because he because he, I would say he's my most valuable character. Um. However, I don't have any. Actually, you know what? Mm, mm. Let me answer the question. Least valuable character. Um, in terms of recurring characters, probably Cara Dune, and I wouldn't have, I mean, maybe I wouldn't have said that in season one, because I was so enamored with her, but, like, she doesn't really do a whole lot. She's not that important. She's more just the hot wrestling kind of sidekick person, and, um, as much as, like, I love powerful female characters... What's her? She doesn't serve a purpose other than to shoot people and be cool. So uh, I, I actually the same kind of goes for Mando, but uh, mm. I, I I disagree. The, the, well, there's a there's a scene where um where uh, Moff Gideon is like they are those people out there that you're working with are merciless savages and they'll just shoot up everything and I'm like. That's kind of true of all the Star Wars heroes. They literally are like, let me kill everything in my path. And it's interesting, like, is the Empire really trying to create order? Like, do some people actually buy into that myth? And I think that they do. Um, Anyway, so that's just to say that, yes, all of our heroes are big old killing machines, but 
actually Mando has an outside purpose and Cara Dune does not. Yeah, she really doesn't. Like, you know, we're starting to hint at, she's also my least valuable character. We're starting to hint at her having a past and her having something worth fighting for, but it's not really clear yet. And so, so far, her only connection to the story is that Mando found her. And yeah, she was there at the right time. Yeah. And so beyond and so beyond that, she is really she she never has any piece of relevant information that uh, helps the story along uh, beyond her military training. Um, And so, yeah, she definitely exists to be a, you know, she kind of does in a worse way what Falcon says he does in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, which is I do what he does just slower. Um, And so it's. I, I don't I I could see a world in which you could fill her shoes with someone else um, and I might be more interested and also fuck the actor. Um, I'm only taking a while because I, I had an actual I had an actual answer that I'm blanking on. Um, uh, if I'm going to go. Oh, oh, I remember. OK, I remember uh, what I was going to say. um but I doubt you'll actually take it as a as a answer. Uh, so I'm going to give more of an official answer and then like my unofficial answer. My official answer is the sniper whose name escapes me Fennec? like so many other of these characters. Um, the one yeah, Molly's Fennec. in love with. Fennec. Yes. Yes, Mulan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I would say that you know, if I had to pick an actual living, breathing character, it would be her just because she's never not been interesting. So there's that. Um, my unofficial answer, though, is the Razor <laughs> Okay. Which I get I it. Kind of hate it. that they blew up. <laughs> I mean, Rest because peace. it's it, it comes... It comes back to my biggest issue with a well, okay, not my biggest, but one of my really big issues with the show, uh, in a roundabout way, because I think the Razor Crest is single-handedly the one thing that is unique to the Mandalorian that will actually stand a chance of outliving the Mandalorian, is the Razor Crest. Except it exploded. I know. That's why I hate that they ex- they they exploded it. I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's subverting what you thought was gonna happen damn it like fucking did you just blow up the millennium falcon in return of the jedi you assholes no you Maybe kept he'll it get another model. here's a i have a question about the razor crest because i noticed that they called it a it's a razor crest model whatever there are other razor crests then are there other millennium falcons are there, there other, are other like slave millennium ones falcons, but the millennium falcon is the name the millennium falcon and the slave one are the names of those models of the ships it's like a cruiser is like the generic name of so right so like you can't say like oh the millennium falcon did the parsec the kessel run in less than 12 parsecs like your Honestly, millennium this falcon is, like name this is, is something like tugging Karen at a star or... wars thread yeah, that that like... <laughs> <laughs> all right all right Maybe tell, we should me, most valuable tell me offline because i never <laughs> my most valuable character um so it so i'm gonna go ahead and like grogu is my favorite character and i think is most valuable in the ways that he ties together all of the Star Wars timelines that I'm interested in and also is a puppet and also is has a perfect face. Like, they did this on purpose to make us go, ah, and Melton, like, I think that he is a brilliantly engineered and crafted character. So that aside, I want to throw IG-11 in the mix because he stands as a metaphor for what good and evil are and like what droids and and bounty hunters are and i said that earlier but like he's programmed to do a certain thing and in the end he is going to do that thing no matter what and when he says i am not a living thing he is able to take off what's his face mando's helmet and he says there i am programmed to protect the child And there is no outcome in which the child survives and I also survive. So I need to go out there and self-destruct because that way I'll get rid of everyone and the child can live. But you have to promise me you're going to save the child. 
And it's just, it's so pure and good. And he's a reflection at that point of Queel, who is dead, and Queel's instructions to him live on. And, like, I'm just realizing this as I say it, but that means that Queel lives on in that moment. And, like, when they are both dead, they are both dead. And that's really beautiful to me. So IG-11. Nice. Well, I mean, honestly, I did not expect that. And I'm very I'm very appreciative of that answer. Um, I'm going to do kind of what I did uh, with Fresh Prince. Um, my MVP of The Mandalorian is The Mandalorian. Um, here is a character who, amongst all of the... And, you know, you, you can get into the mask, no mask debate. But beyond that piece of it, compared to all the rogues and all the bitchy Skywalker clan bullshit, here is a character who repeatedly is honorable to all walks of life, um, has his own code of ethics that he will not violate to the point where it throws him so for a loop with the adventure that he has been, that has been bestowed upon him with Grogu, um, that it changes his life. And that's the most important thing in our characters is to see them grow and to understand what makes them, how, how, how they tick, um, you know, what they're thinking. And Pedro Pascal does a lot of that just through dialogue and motion without facial expressions um, in, in a way that especially having, having watched them in sequence, I really enjoyed where the character was going and then having rewatched it um, through, through preparing for this episode, seeing, seeing the, the slow turns of each card um, in his deck to to the point where he becomes a father, a true to form father who wants the best thing for his son. Another scene that I really want to uh, like highlight here is that in the scene in the episode, uh, the tragedy, they're flying to the planet and they're about to land, and he's trying to get Grogu to like practice. Because he's like, I-, I want you to get better. I want you to be all that you can be, even if it hurts me so much to have to let you go and not be here for this. To have to let you go out on your own in that temple, even though, and then I fuck up. I fuck up so bad that you get kidnapped by the one person who shouldn't kidnap you. And that destroys me to the point where I will do anything, including violate my creed to save you. That moment where he's like, don't you want to learn that stuff, huh? Like that's 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 fatherhood. And so like that's that's yeah. why the Mandalorian to me is the MVP. Um not only that, he's a fun character to watch from the moment we meet him. Um he's both mysterious and lovable. Um he has more humor than he gets credit for, I think. And I I really just like seeing him seeing him work. I like seeing him do his job. And so I think that pretty much, you know, wraps it. I, I think rather than going into open discussion, just because we've talked about so many things, does anybody have like closing arguments before we do the official reject or renew, even though it can't be renewed? But I think that we should still pass our judgment. Um, what is the, what are your closing thoughts on on the show? I would also like to clarify one thing on just how basically Mandalorian is going to work. So, Trev, you and I are, like, actually, like, right now, we're shifting the list up. Uh, Basically, this and Lovecraft Country is going to be the point where the list changes, and that's where Mando will leave. And then I don't think we should make Mando eligible again until, like, the entire season three is, like, done in the bud. Um, I have no idea how long we're going to be doing this podcast. Um, but like time permitting and like us being willing to do this permitting, I actually wouldn't want season three to be even on the table unless there's a season four. Yeah, I think that's fair because I kind of, I like that we did it once like a show that's basically like it's here right now. It's like fresh, but I kind of don't like the idea of like, continuing to do it like because then it's like it then becomes this thing of like we'll do season three and then season three is done and like we'll just have to take mandalorian like right, back I agree out with that. like i kind of don't like the idea of like yeah 
So then, I, so then, I think, I think, basically, to suffice it to say, is that the Mandalorian is is finished in the same way where if we got to season ten of Friends, it's done because there's nothing else to watch. But um, we may be able to return to it at a later date once the show has gone on beyond this. But for all intents and purposes, the Mandalorian is done from the list. Um, so, but the segment is called Reject or Renew, and so I think maybe to sum up the end of the episode. What is your choice, reject or renew, and why? Uh, this is difficult for me because it kind of calls into question, okay, under what grounds will you ever reject a show? Because it's one thing to reject a show that you think is bad. That's easy. That's like the quickest, like, if you think a show is bad, yeah, you're going to reject it. That's not really. But what if it's not bad? Because I kind of ran into this thing with Buffy as well, where it's like, I genuinely kind of didn't enjoy watching most of Buffy season one, but I justified that, like, I saw enough promise in the concept and I knew that there was so much more afterwards that I was like, okay, for that, I will renew. Uh, but if it doesn't really do what I, it does. If it doesn't scratch my itch in season two, then I will reject it. This is a little bit of a more specific thing, though, because like we've basically, like, as we saw with the entire calendar year of 2020, nothing is like set in stone really because we don't know what the fuck will happen in general but i like we kind of know we're gonna get season three like um but we at this point if we assume that this is the entirety of the mandalorian and we treat it like beginning and this is it it's tricky because mandalorian is a show that I didn't quite enjoy watching, but I also would never say The Mandalorian is bad. It's not a bad show, and I get why people like it, but it's like I have so many issues with it that it's, it's like I renew it, but with a the biggest asterisk of like, I renew this for a general audience. I renew this for you guys because I think you guys really like it. I think in general, most people that watch the Mandalorian really like it. Uh, so it's a thing where I now have to be objective. So I will renew the Mandalorian. Um, I, yeah, I think it's no stranger that I, I would say the same, um, that I would easily renew this show. I enjoy watching it. I don't know. I think it just fulfills something in me that Marvel fulfills in me too. Because like, I will, especially getting years away from a lot of Marvel movies, will look back and go, oh yeah, that's kind of dumb. Or, oh yeah, like maybe Scarlett Johansson shouldn't have done that. Um, but I will still, there's still something about it where it's just like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm vibing with it and I'm going to keep watching it if they keep making stuff. I'm in the middle of watching WandaVision right now and it could end up being very bad. I probably won't notice because I'm just, I'm, I'm into it that much. Um, and so I guess that's where it kind of becomes a conflict of interest for me. I, I, I knew I was going to renew it all the way from, from, you know, the moment it came on there. Um, because I think it's exciting. Um, I enjoy watching these characters. Um, I had to get used to the structure of the show where it did have those side quest moments and the kind of Western aspect of things. Um, but I grew to like it more because I think if you ask me to watch a Western that's truly set in the West and I fucking hate it. Um, but because it's the space Western and because it's Star Wars, I think I really, really enjoy it. Um, and for those same reasons where it has grabbed me to the point where I care about these characters a lot. And I want to see where their futures go. And so that's why I would, um, without a doubt, renew the show. Molly, any lasting thoughts? This is my favorite Star Wars um, thing that has come out in since the originals, perhaps. So, 
yeah, I think it's the best Star Wars to Star Wars, in my opinion, absolutely renew because it just captures the vibe. And not to like gatekeep what makes a Star Wars, because like we've talked about before, anything that claims to be a Star Wars is a Star Wars. Um, but this feels the most Star Warsy of all of the Star Wars. So I renew it. Yeah, it's got the it's got the grittiness. It's got the broken downness. It's got the hope and good and evil battle. It's got the it's still got the Empire, but different. Um, and the character, it it, it does kind of combine a lot of the. Uh, to me, I think in a very generic way. I'm not going to be very specific with this, but it does. Mando does combine a little bit of those rogues that we love and those morally upright characters that we kind of need for this kind of story where like he does have that code of honor that a jedi has but he doesn't have to be a jedi and be stuck up about it he can still be a bounty hunter and he can still live in that kind of gritty world um and we can still get those relationships so tj where are we just jumping straight into announcing next month's i mean simply because uh because we didn't do like a poll raffle like lottery roulette thing, we can just announce it. Uh next week week. Next month, uh, we are going to be doing Lovecraft Country with uh another journalist friend, Kari Walter. Uh so that should be fun. Uh and it'll be a Nice, interesting way to cap off uh, our Black History Month uh, fun and expose and, you know, all that fun jazz. Uh, But next week, uh, we will be kicking off Black History Month. So join us then. Uh, As always, it has been a pleasure and a privilege to have uh, you on the show, Molly. Uh, I still sincerely hope that we can (laughs) be friends after this episode. Absolutely. I fight with love. And, uh, yeah, uh, check out the Journalist Theater Company. Check out their Sounds from an Empty City on Spotify. Um, Check out my podcast, Pod and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. Also And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're a lot of fun on Instagram. So check us out there. Um, And then in the next few weeks, um, definitely, you know, check the links uh, that we post about uh, Journalist Theater Company, Sounds from an Empty City. We'll have new episodes uh, in the next coming weeks. So definitely check those out. Um, And thanks for sticking with us for this uh, extended little EP. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, I've been TJ Patrick. I'm Trevor Catalano. This is the way. Eggs. Did you say eggs? Yes.